it's like you have this sense of self-doubt related to like your work or your life accomplishments. Like you've done these things and you're just feeling like a faker. You think it's luck. You don't ever attribute it to your own abilities and your own skills. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Okay, it's Scott, but you're not going to hear from me in this episode because... I'm taking some of our HTYC advice and I'm stepping away from work and this time for an entire month to be able to spend time with my family and unplug. So I'm not going to be on this episode. I am leaving you in great hands of the Happen to Your Career team. I know you're going to love it. Hey, everybody. It's Cindy. I am back for another HTYC team episode. Scott is still in Greece, so we are still taking over the podcast. Today, I am super, super, super stoked to have Kate, who is our chief people officer here at HTYC with me. Kate, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us, tell us a little about yourself. Oh yeah. The dreaded question of tell us about yourself. Thanks for that one. That was really nice. I already Um, know you. I want everybody else to get to know you better too. You do know me. Don't tell everybody that we're work besties because it'll make our other work besties really jealous about us. (laughs) So I, yeah, I work with the team. I help Scott out on a lot of stuff so that he can do big things. And they gave me a fancy title. It's called chief people officer. I don't know why I got to say it funky. I just do. But no, I'm excited. I'm not sure the world is ready for us yet, but we're going to do it anyway. They're here. They're here. They're ready. So just a reminder, everybody, I'm Cindy. I'm the director of client success, aka usually the first person that you talk to here at HTYC. So Kate, I want to tell you about this dream I had. Do you want to hear about this dream I had? And I think that everybody may be able to kind of relate to this, but I've been having this, this reoccurring dream, right? So I'm like, waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. It's a nightmare. Like it's recurring and I'm having it all the time. So I'm here in this large, sterile boardroom, right? And I am surrounded by a bunch of like old white dudes in like black suits, like the men in like men in black type suits. And for some reason, I also, I am also myself an old white dude in a black suit, right? Of course, of course, of course. Cause it's my worst nightmare. For any of you that don't know, I am not an old white man. I'm a middle-aged white lady, but so I'm in this room. And then all of a sudden the man next to me at the table, he stands up and he says, I've solved the mystery of why our business has been failing. And just like the ending of every Scooby-Doo episode ever, ever, he like, he proclaims, we have an imposter and he turns and then he rips off my old man mask. Right. And there I am. And now I don't have a black suit on. I'm me, but I have like this red nose and like the clown suit, right? Like I'm dressed as a clown. And I look around the room and everybody is just staring at me. And in my gut, I'm like, I I know what they know, man. I don't belong here. And I got up and I I shook my fist in like Scooby-Doo style. And I say, and I would have gotten away with it too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. Meddling kids. Right? So what is that that about, Kate? Tell me what that is about. 
Oh, you got the imposter syndrome. Oh, that's like my worst nightmare. I have it right now. I have it every day. <laughs> so you knew we were going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So you've done mm-hmm. some research, right? So you know some things. So Kate, tell us what you know about imposter syndrome, what you found out. Yeah. I've always felt like a bit of an imposter myself. So digging into the why behind it or the the reasons that we have it was really eye-opening. And people that you don't even expect to be imposter, have imposter syndrome, have it. So yeah, it was exciting to read. And I was just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Every time I was reading something new about it, it's like you have this sense of self-doubt related to like your work or your life accomplishments. Like you've done these things and you're just feeling like a faker. Like it's not even because you're awesome that you did these things. You think it's luck or, you know, you, you don't think it's, you don't ever attribute it to your own abilities and your own skills. So I come to find out 70% of us, 70% of us have felt like an imposter at some point. And I even came across an article about Tom Hanks, Emmy award winning master of the big screen is sitting at his house and (laughs) he's thinking that we're going to find him out. So (laughs) even though imposter syndrome is more common in women, there are men, even famous men, even famous old white men. Sorry, Tom, you're not old. You're just older. uh, Have this where you feel like you're going to have your mask ripped off of your face, right? And it's so uncomfortable to live in that space. You can get burnt out if you stay there, if you allow yourself to stay there. I hear that for sure. I know a time when I, when that happened to me in real life, where I recognized it, right? I was able to recognize Mm -hmm. that it was imposter syndrome, like right there in the moment. And so I was doing, it was, was my last interview with the the final boss. We'll just call him the final boss, right? The final boss. Yeah. So I'm feeling really confident. Like we're chatting. There's a lot of head nodding and you know, the head nodding, like that's a good, that's a good thing in an interview. And I was feeling really good. And then all of a sudden he's, he stumped me and he said, what books have you read? And I'm like books. He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, business books, you know, thinking grow rich, start with why. And my head is like buzzing and I'm thinking, okay, I'm trying to think of books that I've read business books. He's talking about sales books, all this, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, right. asking me about this. Like, why, why is he asking me about all of these things? I'm just talking about how I build relationships and how I motivate teams and stuff like that. So I'm like in my head screaming, Cindy, this think is- of one book. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you ever read a sales book in your life, say it now, say the name of it. I didn't even know the name of any sales book. So I, I was honest. Right. So I said, I don't think I've ever read any sales books. He was shocked. Never read any sales books. I shook my head. No, no. He's like, sales books, leadership books. No. And he said, how, how can that be? I didn't have to say. So I just shrugged, right? So I'm trying to play it cool, but I'm getting a little bit nervous right. because he's, he's talking about, well, how do you know all these strategies? How do you know all these techniques, all these things that I've been talking, that we've been talking about, I've reading in these books. And he picks up my resume. And he's looking at me and he's looking even more confused. And I'm thinking in my head, oh God, what is he looking for? Right? He's trying to connect the dots. Right? Yes. In my head though, the self-doubt starts creeping in. 
And I'm thinking, okay, this is when it's going to happen. He's going to see on my resume that I don't have a college degree. I didn't know any of the books he was talking about. The classic imposter syndrome. I felt like I was on a sitcom. And I like paused for a moment. I got my stuff together and I got it. And I thought to myself, I know exactly why I'm here. I know exactly how I got here. Mm-hmm. I know exactly that I'm supposed to be here. And I got like my little devilish grin on my face. And I just told him, I said, you know what? I can tell you exactly how I learned all of this and how I know all of this. And then so it began. And that was my fleeting moment with imposter syndrome, right? Where I knew I was like, no, dude, you're just having imposter syndrome. Have you had that? Have you had that happen to you? Yes. Um, I mean, I think I'm like the poster child for imposter syndrome. And I think to this very day in my role, working so closely with Scott, I'll always start to say, well, I'm not used to doing this or have never done that. And he'll say, well, I can give you bullet points of all of the times you've done things equally as good or greater than that. So stop doubting yourself. And you can hear that and you can say, yeah, I'm not really a guy under a mask. There's no Scooby-Doo moment about to happen here, but I have felt it. You know, I've, especially when you are in the administrative world where you're assisting other people or teams, you're the last voice to be heard. You know, you have big ideas, but nobody ever cares. So when I joined the team here, it happened to your career um, a couple of years ago now, And I sat down at the table with the big kids. And even as an admin, you know, Scott looks at me and starts asking me what I think and what my input is. And I'm having those, that moment of panic in my head, like anything you say can and will be stupid. Like (laughs) I have nothing to contribute here. And (laughs) I had to learn how to like get over that and just say my ideas. And turns out some of them are really great. But if you don't let yourself get out of your own head and just realize that you do have contributions to make, you do have great ideas, like you could totally live in a place of constantly feeling like you're wearing a mask when you're not. And it just, it just gets you down. Yeah, of course. I work with you all the time. And it sounds like, especially in this environment, you are able to overcome. There are ways that you found to overcome that imposter syndrome, right? And I think there's this misconception that when you have imposter syndrome, it's something like that anytime you have self-doubt, that's what it is. Or anytime you start to question Mm-hmm. That it must be imposter syndrome. So I started to ask the question because I've been doing some research on this myself is what if it's not imposter syndrome, right? Ooh. What if you are an imposter? And I know it sounds really intense, imposter, right? It sounds like you don't belong there, but what if you don't, right? What if you find yourself in a situation where the role or the organization is not what you had expected it to be. And you're just not in the right place. By definition, that would make you an imposter, right? Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever found yourself there? Yeah, I have found myself there a a number of times, actually, (laughs) to be honest, but I can think of one time where somebody else had to tell me, I guess, in, in so many words. So I worked for an organization and I went in there as a leader and 
my biggest problem, Kate, was that business was booming. Right. So Mm -hmm. this was I had moved on from my role with the final boss. I was really excited to make a really big, meaningful impact in my new org. And I had everything. I had all the things, the resume, the skills. You know, I I uh, was the top performer. I was getting awesome reviews from my leaders. My team was engaged. I was facilitating and leading trainings for other of my peers. Like everything was going exactly the way that I was supposed to be right on paper, everything was going the way that it was supposed to be. I should have been ecstatic, but it it didn't matter. Like no matter how many new processes I created, no matter goals I hit, how many successes I had, it wasn't, it didn't feel good enough. And I'm was working like overdrive to overcome all the areas that I had considered my weak spots. But then all of a sudden, everything was feeling like a struggle. And I'm thinking, okay, it's just a matter of time until somebody finds out that I should not be in this role. Right. So I one of my girlfriends and she's like, oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're doing an amazing job. You're just having some doubt, you know, imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. So I could have just dismissed it. Like that had to be, that had to be it, right? So I was thinking back, like my final interview and, you know, I looked up some ways to overcome imposter and syndrome and, and all of that. But then I was not getting what I wanted. So I talked to the one person who knows all the things in my opinion. And that was my dad. So my dad is like, I like to call my dad, like blue collar, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like my dad, like just knows, (laughs) he just knows all of the things. So shout out to my dad, if he's listening. So I'm talking to my dad, I'm telling my situation and he just like really like plain as day just asks me, well, what if it's just you? And I was like, what? He's like, what if it's just you? Like, what if it's, what if it's not the role? It's just, you're, you don't belong in that role. Like, what if it's that? My dad doesn't know anything about imposter syndrome or, you know, he's not like savvy with all stuff, but my brain exploded. I was like, whoa, wait. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was like, maybe I wasn't supposed to be in this role. Right. And I'm thinking about Kate, you know, what's my favorite movie of all time. Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. Park. So I'm hearing, I'm hearing Jeff Goldblum in my head and Uh I'm like, oh my God, we were so preoccupied on whether or not we could that we didn't stop to think if we should, right? That's right. And we do that so much. So sometimes you just have to take a step back and say, maybe I'm not, maybe it's not imposter syndrome. Maybe I'm an imposter. So for you struggled a little bit with imposter syndrome, but tell me, tell me a time when you've been the imposter. Oh, <laughs> this is a great one. I was so young and Let's go way back. Let's age ourselves a little bit here. Let's go way back to no. 19, age myself. Okay. So by the way, people, Cindy is just about my age. So I'm aging both of us. So we're going back to the late nineties. I think it was 1997. I was had the opportunity with my uh, ex-husband to move to Mexico. We didn't have kids. We had dogs. We piled them in the Honda and we drove to Mexico. The whole thing seemed like a big imposter syndrome. The company was paying for us to move. He was going to go teach the people how to do the work at the factory that he worked at. So I'm just living my best life, right? Playing golf with my girlfriend and, you know, whatever. And a friend of a friend of ours comes up to us at dinner one night and she said, your Spanish is getting really good. We have an opening at the school for a Spanish teacher. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You want me to what? Like... (laughs) She said my Spanish was getting good, but like my, 
my biggest phrases were like, besides curse words, because the first thing everyone teach you, teaches you when you move to Mexico is how to curse because they think it's so funny uh, that all you can do is curse. Like they won't, uh, my husband would not teach me real Spanish because he just wanted to see me curse. Hilarious. But uh, I digress. So to me, I was not the person to teach Spanish or to teach English to Spanish speaking people because I was saying things like no habla espanol. Like that was my go-to and donde style baño. Because if you go to a restaurant or a Walmart and you can't find it, like you have to ask people. So I was not ripping out these big sentences and paragraphs and having a lot of conversational Spanish. It was very small. And then they, they gave me a job and they gave me an office and they gave me students. And it was executives who lit, who, you know, ran big companies in Mexico and they were going to be coming to the United States for work with their families. And so, you know, all the kids had to learn English, all the mom and dad had to learn English. And I was here to teach them. And I remember sitting down that first day and thinking, what am I doing here? I had like my pencils and my paper and my dry erase markers. And I was just like, we're, we're not even going to get past. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks. Like it's not going to happen. And I'm, I'm a fake it till you make it kind of girl. So I definitely was like, they asked me to be here for a reason. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try. So I did it for a few weeks and every day got harder because I was more in my imposter feels. I was more like starting to think like, really, I'm like, these people paid money (laughs) for this. And I feel like, you know, I'm not giving them the best, uh, the best of anything. So although they never fired me, they never said you need to do better. My Spanish did improve just by existing in that space every day. I got to a point where I was like, listen, I've got, I've got to go. This is not for me because every moment, if you doubt every moment of your existence, because you know that you're not the best, quote unquote, the best person for the job, it it would eat you up. So, and I was exhausted from like trying to practice at night and lesson plan. And I'm I'm not a teacher by a long shot. So I just, I had to peace out. I was like, I love you. Thinking of all the Spanish phrases that you knew at that point. (laughs) Exactly. And it's not a good feeling, but once you realize and you're like, okay, this is the deal. This is the actual deal. I am an imposter. I am a faker. I'm a poser. Okay. Now I'm going to walk away and do something that, oh my gosh, it feels like I'm living in the right space. So that was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point to bring up because it makes it harder when you have people who are telling you, oh, you're doing a good job. You're totally doing a great job. So it's not, yeah, it's about, well, how do you feel about it? Right. Because they don't know, especially if they think you're doing a good job, you're probably not outwardly showing them how much drudgery you're feeling while you're going through. No, I was panicking quietly in my office. As you're freaking out. Right. (laughs) So, okay. So if you're, if you are still feeling like, you don't know, right. Is it imposter syndrome? Am I imposter? There, there are some ways that you can find out, right, Kate? There's some questions that you can ask yourself if you're in a situation where you're starting to question, is this imposter syndrome or do I really need to get the heck out of Dodge? This is the wrong place for me. So what are some of the things? Let's kind of like, let's help the people, Kate. That's what we're here to do, right? Absolutely. Help the folks figure out what are some of the questions that they can ask? So 
Yeah. I think the first thing you have to ask yourself is, is am I using my strengths? Am I living and working in my strengths every day? Because when we're doing things that we're naturally good at without even trying, and we can even maybe lean into those and up our game there a little bit, then you're never going to feel as much as an imposter. Some of us will always have that because, you know, we're always a little bit afraid, but when you're working in those strengths and doing those things that, you know, like I'm, I kick ass at this, I'm good at this, then that's like, it puts you in the zone and you feel so much more confident about your work and yourself. Yeah, totally. I think that's, that's a great point. You can kind of feel it. You can feel it when you're there, Mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is, Strengths are tricky, right? I always tell folks this when I talk to them because strengths are the things that we're naturally good at. Yeah. So sometimes we dismiss our strengths and mm-hmm. we don't recognize them. You know, if something comes with too much ease, if something's too easy, we don't usually look at it as a strength. We usually, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's so easy. Anybody we feel that? like a cheater pants yeah, because right? we must be lucky. Yeah. So the question is, do I feel like I have a level up mushroom while I'm doing this? Because if so, you're probably right. using your strengths, right? That's kind of how you know you get in the lit up Mario. Wow. Okay. I just dated myself again, not talking about <laughs> Super Mario Brothers anymore, whatever the games are. Okay. What else? Like what else can, what else can people ask themselves? So am I using my strengths daily? What else? I think also you have to ask if your role that you're in allows Mm -hmm. you to grow and develop. Yes. I think that you, Kate, are a really great example of why you should not ever have imposter syndrome. Because when you came on board the team, you are our executive assistant, Mm -hmm. right? So you were not pigeonholed. You've had an opportunity. So coming in as, as an EA, tell me just a couple of the things that you have got to do oh, as gosh. part of your role here at HUIC as our EA that, that a typical EA would not get an opportunity to get to do. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. I, <laughs> everything we, we live in this, this wild space as a, as a small company that's grown a lot this last couple of years where we're still a few people trying to do great things, a lot of great things with big goals. So on a week three or four, when I'm just getting into the groove with Scott as the CEO and my, my boss, <laughs> and he says, Hey, we need some help with this website stuff because we don't have anybody really on the team and we've got stuff going wrong. And he says, Hey, our audio guy, uh, our content guy is really just going to pull back the reins and do some other work that he needs to do. And I need you to put dip a toe there and write some content and work on the podcast. And, and so I'm just like, what is happening? What is happening here? How am I supposed to do these things? I have, of course, I'm, I'm a, I'm a worker, right? Like I'm a worker bee. So if you ask me to do something, I'm going to go, sure. I know nothing about that. Let me go try it. (laughs) Even with all the fears inside. So I, in the time that I've been here, I've, I've basically learned the whole business, which has been wonderful to even work with a company that would allow anybody to, to know the whole business, which we all really do well here. But so you know, it, it becomes a place that you go to where you're, you are eventually not afraid to try new things, but also you're just willing to lean into whatever strengths you have that might apply to, you know, might apply to something. And like, you get your confidence up when you try those new things, but you know, sometimes that, that little imposter syndrome guy sits on your shoulder and he's yeah. like, why are you doing this? Why are you No, you're not qualified to do this, yeah. but 
you can do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when you find yourself in a, in a space where, well, I guess first and foremost, you kind of have to ask yourself, where do I want to grow and where do I want to develop? Right. For sure. So if you're, if you find yourself in that situation where you're like, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome, or I don't know if I'm an imposter, ask yourself, if I am to grow, what, what do I want that to look like? Mm -hmm. And am I in a place here where I'm able to do that? So you know, with your role, you got an opportunity to try out a lot of different hats here. And when, sure. it, when it came time for before it was dubbed chief people officer, you I remember that you and Scott sat down and you guys talked about your strengths and where you really shine and where you really make an impact on the team and where mm-hmm. you really love to be. And you grew into that and you grew there and you got there and now you're the CEO, Absolutely. right? So I think that you have to ask yourself, do you don't have to be the CEO, but you do have to ask yourself, okay, is growth and development important to me? And if so, am I able to do that here? And if I'm not, that doesn't mean that you have imposter syndrome. Right. That means DTFO. Right. right. If you're trying to make your peg fit into a hole that's yeah. a different shape and you're just trying to, you know, drive it home and make it work, yeah. maybe you are an imposter. Maybe you, it just doesn't match up. Yeah. So yeah. and what is, what is one other, we're, we'll give, we'll give the folks one other question. There hmm. are more, there's a way to get them, but tell us one more, Kate, one more question to ask yourself if you're having I think it's problems. really important to ask yourself if you're, you're at the end of the day, if you're fulfilled by the work that you do, yeah. because if you're an imposter, like for real, for real, you are probably not going to feel that sense of accomplishment at the end of the day because uh, you can barely keep up. You're back here researching how to do the things that somebody in that role maybe should already know how to do. And you're trying to train yourself up. You're not going to feel a sense of fulfillment and accomplishment as one would if you are in a role that you are meant to be in doing the things in the areas that you're meant to do them in. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. So I mean, I know lots of, we work really hard. There's lots of days when I'm tired, when I get done work, I'm tired. My voice is gone. I know it's a good, my husband knows that I've had a productive day when I can't talk at the end of the day, because I've done it so much during the day. That's right. I think there's a big difference between being tired and fulfilled and Mm -hmm. being tired and empty. It's like a different kind of tired, right? Like tired (sighs) with a woman is like this beautiful sigh. You're just like, and like. The other one is like, oh, at the end of the day, right? Right. And the oh is so much more painful because you know, it's just going to come back again tomorrow and you have to make yourself go to bed and get back up in the morning and trudge into that oh again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first thing, the first thing I do, if I feel like I'm an imposter is try to get myself out of that space and go find something I love. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good thing to do because I think too, we get in that mindset of just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Right? I saw some, I saw some articles about overcoming imposter syndrome and using it as a challenge. You said it, fake yep. it till you make it, right? Yep. And I think there's a time and place for fake it till you make it. But sure. I think that's a I think it's a really short amount of time to do that and then to be able to figure out, okay, what's the real deal here? I'm right. I really fake it for for so long. So I got a job one time with a huge payroll company, they asked me in the interview what my level of uh, Excel, what what level of competency I had with Excel. And I had never 
I had never used it, but I got in there and I, by golly, in the first like few weeks, figured out how to be a master at Excel. But all of the other things in the role were things that were my strengths, but I did it. I learned that thing. And I, I really succeeded in that role for several years because the rest of it, I didn't have to fake until I make, you know, it was just like that one little piece or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think you brought up a really good point just now when you said that you succeeded in that role for a few years but then it was time to move on. So I think that's the other thing too, is being someplace for a long time does not make you exempt from being an imposter. No, not at all. Not make you exempt from being an imposter at all. So imposter syndrome, I know by definition, it's you doubt your abilities and you doubt that you deserve things. And, you know, I think there's elements of that that come along with being an imposter as well. But I think the big difference between the two is if your heart's not in it, mm-hmm. then you're probably an imposter. And if your heart's in it and you have doubts, you probably just have a little bit of self-doubt and imposter syndrome. So yeah. but there's it can be it can be tricky. And I think a lot of folks struggle with it. I think more folks struggle with trying to figure out if they have imposter syndrome than actually trying to figure out if they need to make a move into something that's more meaningful or that would make them happier. Absolutely. And I think we often as a society, especially here in the US, we put the old American dream first, the work hard, work hard every day. You don't have to love your job, but you got to make money and you got to put the roof over the over the house and all that. And instead of doing work you love that you might actually be better at, that you might actually could make more money at, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of just trudging through life. Yeah, I hear that for sure. But you know, I, I talk with folks every single day who they don't say that they have imposter syndrome, but sure. I hear it, right? So I chatted with a lady today. I will not say her name. She was amazing and I adored her and we had the greatest conversation and we started talking about strengths and I was commenting on how she had a really great mix of the top five strengths in all the different mm-hmm. categories. And she said, yeah, that means that I'm not really a master at any of these strengths. <gasps> No, no, no. I was like, what that means is you're amazing at every single one of these things. Right. But she couldn't see it. She couldn't see, she couldn't see it. So she didn't know those were her superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, back up. Yes. These you're amazing at these. That's why they're your strengths. So I love that you said that's the first question to ask too, is am I using my strengths? Because I think Mm -hmm. once you, you know what you're good at and you know what, I love the term fills your bucket, right? My nan used to say that, what fills your bucket up? So that's what we're looking. We want you to have, like we want you to have whatever it is that fills up your bucket in that way. So Kate, I have had an awesome time talking to you. This was super fun. Amazing. They may never let us do it again. This may they be might not ever hear Kate and I on the podcast together. Uh, <laughs> but I think we have more, right? Right. We have more to share we do. We have more. With, with folks. So there are some other questions that you can ask if you have doubts about whether or not you have imposter syndrome or you are indeed an imposter. So there's lots of questions, questions that we didn't have uh, enough time to talk about today, but I will give them to you. I am not shy. I will give you all the things. So if you want to know what the questions are to ask yourself, or you want some more resources about how do I use my strengths or how do I know if I'm an imposter or if I have imposter syndrome, or if you want to link to my article, that's fine. Send me an email. Normally people get to email Scott, but today you guys get to email me and I have some goodies for you. So if you email 
Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, old style, at happentoyourcareer.com, and you put imposter in the subject line, I will send you all of those resources and the questions that you can ask yourself. And if you still don't know, right? If you still know after I give you all the resources, we can chat about it. You can reach out. We can set up a time to talk. You can tell me about your situation. I can help you figure it out. And if you find that you are an imposter, it, that's okay. That It's totally okay. And you can make a change. And if you find that it's imposter syndrome, that's okay too. There's ways you can cure that. I can overcome. Yeah, it's not a deadly disease. No, you can overcome it. We have the cure. There is a treatment. <laughs> well, thanks, Cindy. This has been fun. Thank you, Kate. This was amazing. I can't wait to do this again with you. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. Hey, I hope you loved this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if this has been helpful, then please share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers that badly need it. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week. What I think people are really saying when they say I want to be more creative, because I hear this all the time as a coach, I feel like what they're really saying is I want to live in more of an alignment. I want to feel better about what I'm doing. I want to feel good. I want to have more fun. It's like this feeling that they're really chasing. All that and plenty more next week, right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios, I'm out.